Vancouver Radio. I'm Jason Ryan, and you're listening to Newsdesk. Rocco Radio is bringing you the fresh news and insights about telecoms roaming and interconnect, as we do in our reports. This is the third monthly Newsdesk from Rocco, and our aim is to provide you with a blend of news, insights, and opinion about the world of roaming and interconnect. In this Newsdesk, we try and provide 99% coverage of some of the key themes at Mobile World Congress 2018, with a number of interviews with thought leaders that we met at the conference. We hear from Henry Hayter, Senior Director of Product Management at Transaction Network Services, bringing a US perspective on the scale-up of Volte Interconnect, roaming and IoT. With there being some innovative solutions that enable the operators in Western Europe who've launched LTE but not Volte to take inbound Volte roaming, then maybe that will help to kind of accelerate some of the benefit, right? Where the, yeah. the Western European operators will see the benefit of Volte roaming without actually having to make the IMS investment and do right. the switch themselves. We also met with AJ Joseph, CTO at iBasis, who talked to us about their solution for Internet of Things. We procure profiles from the operators. We put them on our remotes and provisioning platform, and we sell that as a service to our customers. With 5G security in mind, we spoke to Steve Buck, product director from Evolved Intelligence. The architecture defines a firewall, effectively defines something called a SEP as the interface to provide protection over the interconnect for when people are roaming. So the opportunity is to start to build in authentication of roaming networks into 5G. And with such a buzz on RCS in the conference, we heard from Democo's Managing Director Mateus on the realities behind RCS coming to the market. So if you want to compete or get your own foot in the door like uh, WhatsApp or Viber or the others did, which they're doing great, then you have to rethink your pricing model. And for us also in an aggregator, we need to understand how you make business on a wholesale level. Finally, it was a real pleasure to hear from CEO and co-founder of 365 Squared, Tonio Alul, about their unique analytic solution for SMS. We don't want him to get his filtering product out and yeah. start the headache again of integrating something new. Our solution, which is the 365 Analytics, integrates with the filtering capabilities that the operator has. All vendors which we think between them really capture the spirit of Mobile World Congress 2018. With so much in today's news desk, let's kick off. Well, it snowed, and it rained, and despite everyone trying to get warm, the topics for Mobile World Congress 2018 remained hot, with several key topics burning again this year. We attended the Global Telecoms Women's Network event at the Opera Le Sue on the Ramblas in central Barcelona, where astronauts, super cool engineers and great leadership presented on a number of topics. With that and with the welcome drinks at the UK Department of Defence, hosted by Graeme Stewart MP, who stepped in for Liam Fox while he got stuck into Brexit-related business. With these events, we got to, let's say, see a fresh approach to telecoms, one which we have been trying to support in recent podcasts, and that is the promotion of great thought leadership by women in our industry. 
Interviews with some of those thought leaders about their careers, products and services are coming up in the next few months, so stay tuned. A big thank you to Vicky Slight for inviting us to these events. Vicky's work on diversity and inclusion is something you should definitely review. Clearly one of the biggest hot topics at Mobile World Congress was IoT, Internet of Things. In our first interview, we spoke with AJ Joseph, CTO at iBasis, who talked to us about their solution for Internet of Things. As a tier one IPX, their reach on international roaming is clearly vast. With a number of companies looking at providing roaming style platforms, it was a pleasure to dig into the details behind such solutions with AJ. Hi AJ, how's your MWC going? Uh, busy and my feet are really tired. <laughs> I can completely understand it. Yeah, the 10 kilometers we are going to walk today is not enough, right? So tell me what's going on in iBasis these days? Yeah, one of our big focuses right now is uh, growing our IoT business. And specifically what we're doing is we have a new service on catering to IoT service providers where IoT service providers needing access globally, we offer them a EYCC, an embedded SIM solution, where we get data from the connections that we have with the mobile operators. We procure profiles from the operators. We put them on our remote SIM provisioning platform and we sell that as a service to our customers. So for enterprises or any IoT user which is looking for an international perspective, that's your focus? That's correct. So typically, the sweet customer, the ideal customer, is one who has a global need. So they need access in 60 countries, 70 countries, and they do not want to go about buying you know, SIMs individually in different markets. And so what we provide is one SIM, and it's one physical SIM. And on that one physical SIM, it's a standardized SIM. We allow you to programmatically download profiles from operators across the world. So you're looking at an international roaming perspective, or is it more a domestic service that they're getting on the eSIM? So we call it global. <laughs> it's a global local. Okay. Yeah? So it's a combination of local profiles as well as roaming. And depending on what market you are in or what country you are in, we have logic that can control and figure out which is the best profile to use at that particular point. Excellent, okay. And what else is going on in iBasis? What trends do you see uh, at the moment? For instance, Volte, how is that progressing? Well, the biggest trend that we're seeing right now is the growth in data traffic has been tremendous. And so that's positive everywhere, right? Definitely negative for the operator because they've got lots of CapEx investments to make, but very positive for us for sure. So that's one. The other big trend that we're seeing is we have several customers coming to us and asking us for this global access that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. It was one of the motivations why we started the business as well. So overall, data. <laughs> data is what's propelling everything. It's interesting to note that we're seeing a crossover this year onto LTE platforms being the dominant network. What do you think about operators closing 2G, 3G networks? Is it some trend that you're seeing? Yeah, we're definitely seeing that trend in several of the developed markets. What we're seeing is the shutting down of 2G networks, even 3G networks, and everything just being put onto LTE. So from our point of view, we actually like it. 
Why? Because it actually uplifts our mobile business from a LTE point of view. It also is beneficial with respect to what we're doing in IoT, because if you look historically in the IoT space, you've got the folks that actually provide connectivity today, but their entire game is around 2G connectivity. And so now with the move to 4G, they're playing catch up. And so we have the ability of actually going and disrupting that space. So we love it. Well done. Well, uh, AJ, thank you very much for your time. I wish you a good conference. Thank you very much. It's clear that while IoT didn't wait for 5G, 5G is on its way and expected to turbo boost IoT solutions in the next few years. 5G is now, and that's not just the hype given by many vendors during the event. It's a reality, as we heard from Steve Buck, product director from Evolved Intelligence. Evolved Intelligence were the market leaders in our signaling firewall report, coming in tier one, but also reaching number one player as voted by Eminos. It's a real pleasure to be here with Stephen Buck, product director at Evolved Intelligence. We know Evolved Intelligence because they were the leading vendor in our signaling firewall uh, report that we did at the end of last year. Fantastic job. And uh, Steve is also presenting this afternoon on 5G security, you said? I'm, I'm talking about 5G security, yes, indeed. So I'm talking about how that same problem that is there today on 3G networks and actually gets worse on 4G networks is still there on 5G currently. There's an opportunity because the architecture defines a firewall, effectively defines something called an, a SEP as the interface to provide protection over the interconnect for when people are roaming. So the opportunity is to start to build in authentication of roaming networks into 5G. But at the moment it's not there and we need to take that opportunity because if we carry on with the situation today which is 4G being worse than 3G, we are opening up customers to a real problem and it's worse problems because at the moment the sorts of services you're talking about are just mobile services. 5G is all about enabling enterprises. It's, imagine remote surgery that someone can hack into. So suddenly you're not hacking into your location, you're hacking into your body. Think about that, it's a lot more serious. We want to open up the 5G network to enterprises, to banks, to surgery, to cars, but without security, I just don't see how you can sensibly do that because the risks are magnified tenfold. When people talk about 5G today, it's really talking about 5G radio at the moment, not so much 5G core. But 5G core, the first release is defined. So people are building it, people could deploy it. And that 5G core at the moment has no security on it. There is no SEP, which is this interface box. It's not defined, there's no spec. It's written in the overall architecture spec. That's it, there's no definition. So you could build a 5G core and connect it to somebody else today and you'd have no protection. If you're going to connect up your 5G core to anything, to enterprises, to other networks, you should really think about it carefully. And I would encourage everybody to be trying to help define these security proxies to make sure we get better protection on 5G than there is on 3 and 4. You guys are also up for a GLOMO today. We are indeed, yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that. So we're up for a GLOMO for the best security and authentication uh, solution for our signaling firewall. And so we've won some previous awards on that. There's only a few in there, let's hope we do well. That's at the same time as I'm speaking. So my colleague will pick that up, hopefully. Uh, let's see. Staying on the theme of firewalls, clearly security is a major concern these days. We attended and opened the presentations at an event by Celsius IoT, which was dedicated to this topic and had some quite interesting speakers. 
Expect a Rocko Radio recording very soon with David Rogers of Copper Horse, whose recent work on the UK's code of practice for security in consumer IoT products and services is super important. Many thanks to Solisys for this excellently presented event, which combined networking with real insights, with real flair. On the theme of security, that day I had also met with CEO and co-founder of 365 Squared Tonio Elul about their unique analytic solution for SMS. Their not intrusive approach to supporting MNOs with analytics is going to help a lot of operators who may or may not have firewalls for SMS but just need advice on how to optimize them. Tonio has the best Maltese accent, which is really great to hear and makes you want to listen. Welcome, Tonio. What is 365 doing these days? Well, to start with, 365 Squared started about four years ago, actually. Our idea was, and still is, to help mobile operators maximize the revenue on A2P monetization. So what we essentially do is we help mobile operators take control of their A2B traffic and monetize it. We do that by delivering our own software solutions. We have a very flexible portfolio of products and our solution works with any type of setup the operator can have. Why is that? Because we hear a lot about SMS firewalls and even when I set up the company way back, everyone had an SMS firewall. Every operator had an SMS firewall, but were they actually using the SMS firewall correctly? Were they getting the same reports, the right reports? Were they analyzing the traffic well? And what we do is we integrate with the SMS filtering solutions of the operator and maximize it with our own software, which is called 365 Analytics. You're now part of the Root Mobile group you were acquired last year. How is that going? That is doing really well, actually, more than expected. So in October, we were acquired by Root Mobile Group. I've known Root Mobile for the last 10 years, I think. That helped us because there was a consolidation, especially on the sales side. Root Mobile is present in a number of countries. There's a sales team that is integrated now, and we're very successful over there. Root Mobile has a very brilliant branding as well. They have an image out there that is great. And that adds on to the 365 squared image that we have built over the last four years. No, clearly Root Mobile were a T1 vendor in our ATP research from last year. A really good connection to have, a really good relationship to have, I would imagine. So in terms of your solution then, when we consider SMS firewalls and we consider SMS hubs, messaging hubs or aggregators, your solution somehow fits in the middle of all that, doesn't it, on the analytical side? So the actual value to an operator may be that they have an SMS firewall, but they don't necessarily know how to deal with the data that they receive behind it. So I would say we have two products. So what we do when we approach an operator is what filtering capabilities do you have? In, and we believe that most of the operators already have some sort of SMS filtering capabilities. And we help the operator in working with what the operator has at the moment. Why? Because there is an investment that the operator has done in that hardware and software. But also, we want to provide a non-intrusive solution to the operator. You know, we don't want him to get his filtering product out 
and yeah. start the headache again of integrating something new. Our solution, which is the 365 Analytics, integrates with the filtering capabilities that the operator has. And it can be done very, very efficiently, very quickly. Then there is the other case where, call it a greenfield operator, where there is an operator who does not have any type of filtering solution. We work with partners, SMS firewall vendors, that a combination of an SMS firewall and our own 365 analytics solution together as one product will help the operator monetize. So we are different from the rest because we do not just go over there and sell a firewall, but we listen to the customer, we see what is needed, what is really needed, and help the customer in the most efficient way. At the end of the day, I think what is different from us as well is that we guarantee monetization for the customer. And we put an SLA with the customer as well that within the 24 hours of going live, we guarantee 95% of the A to B traffic being monetized. And we have always achieved that with all our clients for the last four years, which I'm very proud of. Yeah, it's excellent results. A question for you, if an operator is not clear on exactly the benefits that an SMS firewall solution or analytics will give them, how do they make a business case internally? I'd say we have a lot of things how we can help. First of all, we help the operator build a business case, which is usually used then to sell this idea internally within the operator. So we help them build up a business case. We have case studies with other operators as well. We also invite the operator to talk directly to our clients who already have our solution installed, and we will not be involved in that. So we'll provide references and we'll leave the operator talk to our clients. So in this Mobile World Congress, what for you are the, the key trends, would you say? The Mobile World Congress for us is a conference where we meet existing and new clients, continue building the relationship with our clients, meet them face to face, but also introduce our services to the new clients. There's a number of groups over here that we are having meetings with. And I believe it's not a sales conference, actually. It's more a relationship building yeah. conference. Yeah. It's a bit different than the WAS, which is more directed in selling that particular product. Yeah. It's a big conference, but it's always great to be here and meet new and existing clients. With all this in mind, what's your plan, Tonya, for 2018? Well, 2018 is going to be one hell of a year. So it's going to be probably the year where we're going to go live with most clients ever, actually. At the moment, we're doing four deployments, which have to go live in the next two months. Others are lined up this year <laughs> very engaged I would say yes yes and even we're growing from a resource point of view so this year is going to be a very exciting year indeed actually naturally we had a good walk around hall 8.1 where it's possible to meet many of the world's leading messaging vendors Rocco's report on messaging strategy is due out very soon but until then we wanted to get some opinions on RCS and with such a buzz on RCS in the conference, we heard from Domoco's managing director, Mateus, on the realities behind RCS coming to the market. Well, I'm very pleased to be here with Mateus Hollal. Correct. Correct? Hello, Did yes. I say it correctly? <laughs> Perfect. Who is managing director of Domoco? How is your Mobile World Congress going, Mateus? 
uh, yeah, it's good. It's the uh, third day. Getting a little bit tired now, but uh, yeah, one day to go. And you said this was your sixth Mobile World Congress, but how long has Domoco been in the business? The company was founded in 2000, so at that time we started in uh, premium SMS and carrier billing, so this is still the bigger part of uh, Domoco. For messaging, we have founded an entity two and a half years ago, but yeah, the company itself is the industry for now yeah, than more than 17 years. Brilliant. So obviously we know that A2P is a very big business, but what about the other trends in the market that you see? What about RCS? Any comment on that? I think RCS can be a big opportunity for the industry if the dots are correct connected, let's say. Currently, I mean, we know the story about the join and you know what operators try to do. And I think they have the most native app already installed, which is the SMS inbox. So huge opportunity for the operators, for us as a, in the value chain, for enterprises, for the consumer. From a consumer perspective, it's a great experience. But I see some risks involved and some on the other side, but some super opportunities. Question is, you know, how fast can operators move to compete with the so-called OTTs? That's a big question mark. Yeah, I mean, I hear a lot of talk about companies engaging with RCS, but still, I don't understand the pricing model. Is it very clear for you what is happening with that? Absolutely not. And this is my main concern. I have heard that operator thinking about making the same price level as messages or SMS or even higher. But to be honest, just because it's richer content doesn't mean that you have to spend more money on it. So if you want to compete or get your own foot in the door like uh, WhatsApp or Viber or the others did, which they're doing great, then you have to rethink your pricing model. And for us also in an aggregator, we need to understand how you make business on a wholesale level. And that's also very important to understand. If you look at MMS, still there, especially in the US, but if you would lower the prices or on a level where you know it's really attractive for us as an aggregator or for a service provider in the middle, you already have it. Not that rich, but you already have it. I'm really looking forward to what uh, operators or the industry is uh, trying to understand and uh, you know, get, a, get to a point there. Of course, the OTT players have entered into the messaging space as well, and they're also doing A2P-style solutions. Do you think that's much of a threat to A2P SMS? Um, I think SMS is in very good health um, for A2P still. I think uh, SMS, from my personal view, is still king because we all know the advantages. I don't think it's a real threat. It's a complementary channel. Uh, at the end of the day, the consumer will decide. You don't have to can tell a consumer which channel you have to use. You, he just chooses himself. It's a complementary channel, let's yeah. say. I mean, yesterday I've participated in a workshop about the evolution and the future of networks. And we all know that the most downloaded apps are messaging apps. So messaging as an element of communication will be much more important in the future. SMS will always be part of it. And I'm sure that in five years, when we have maybe in, or 10 years, the next interview, I don't know, we'll still talk about SMS. So I'm quite sure. And yeah, the consumer will decide at the end of the day which channel he chooses. But as I said, if you have a native installed app like us, uh, SMS inbox, I would rather get rid of my all other OTTs probably. I don't know. But yeah. uh, at the end of the day, we just need to follow the trends and try to offer the whole spectrum. So from a 2018 perspective, what does Domoco have on the horizon this year? 
So uh, what we're constantly doing is growing also in coverage. I mean, we, as I said, we also do wholesale, which means we need more and more connectivity. There is a huge demand for that. On the other side, we are um, heavily uh, focusing on enterprise sales because there is absolutely a market and still in a market where we operate, a definitely need for that. From a messaging point of view, Dimoka is a bigger group of companies. Well, that's what, that's what we are focusing on. Uh, okay. Matthias, it's a real pleasure to speak to you. I wish you a good last couple of days at the Mobile World Congress. Yeah, thanks for stopping by. Thank you. From a roaming perspective, of course, IoT is an important focus. But some vendors also have a strong view on the rollout of Volte 2. In the coming WAS meeting in Dubai this month, we will hear all about Volte and the rollout and, let's say, the challenges with the business case for some MNOs. From our point of view, we expect Volte to be ubiquitous in the near future. When and how will be revealed in our Volte Vision report released in a few weeks' time. Until then, we got some amazing insights from one of our favorite industry people. We hear from Henry Hayter, Senior Director of Product Management at Transaction Network Services, bringing a US perspective on the scale-up of Volte Interconnect, Roaming and IoT. So, it's a real pleasure to be here with Henry Hayter from Transaction Network Services, otherwise known in the industry, of course, as TNS. Hi, Henry. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, Jason. Thank you for having me. We're actually stood outside in the rain. Can you believe this? Because it's probably the first time in the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona where we've had a deluge, and literally yesterday we had snow. Um, so, everybody wants to try and get warm, and actually we're doing the opposite because it's much quieter out here. So Henry, how's your meeting been so far? It's been really good. There's a, uh, a lot of activity um, that's interesting in terms of understanding the direction of the marketplace. I think that Mobile World Congress is going to have to change its name soon uh, <laughs> because it's now becoming maybe like a World Technology Congress or something like that because yeah. there's so many companies here with IoT solutions and mobile is only one segment of it, right? There's so many different technologies and a lot of the more impressive displays are around smart cities and industrial IoT solutions and some of them are 5G, some of them are wired, some of them are Wi-Fi and the mobility aspect of the show is somewhat getting lost in the tsunami of technology, right? right. Yeah. It's been really interesting. It's fun to watch the show change over the years, right? But you know, for us, there's a tactical aspect of being here where our customers are here and they have some areas of focus for themselves, Volte interworking and is becoming huge. Volte roaming is real in a lot of places in North America and the US. There's active Volte roaming and Volte interworking. RCS is on everyone's minds, right? So these are actionable things that we're following up on here and then trying to plan for the future around around IoT and to M. Right. Obviously, we try to get a global perspective on these things, and I think your insights particularly are very relevant because, let's say, a lot of people were aware of what's happening in the US, but maybe over here in Europe, I mean, people have a different perspective on Volte. And from a Volte perspective, for Volte roaming, it makes sense, doesn't it, that operators at some point in time are going to close their 3G networks. And if you close your 3G, 2G network, essentially you're going to have to need Volte. Volte is essential for that. So what work are you guys doing then, TNS are doing on Volte roaming specifically? 
So there's a couple things. The first thing, obviously, is making sure that Volti Roaming and the S8 Home Routed architecture works and that we have support for the other architectures. One area where we've innovated and delivered a new solution is for handling the emergency calls, right? So the emergency calling needs to be broken out locally in the VPMN, regardless of how Volti Roaming is working. And so we have a solution where we host the, the portions of the IMS core that you need to break out and deliver an emergency call locally. And so what that does is it enables an operator who has launched LTE but maybe hasn't launched their own IMS core. So they don't have the ability to even comply with any of the 3GPP solutions for handling an emergency call in the VPMN network. If CS fallback is not available or not compatible, we can take control of that call by resolving the, the SOS APN to our network and then deliver it out to the PSAP. We have this solution in production in the U.S. We're using it to bridge CDMA, legacy CDMA circuit switch networks with the LTE networks. But we're also now looking at a couple of geographies internationally where they don't have a solution today nice. for delivering emergency calls in Volti, but they have plans to decommission their 2G and UMTS networks, right? And so there's a little bit of a race condition that we're trying to meet in the market and that's keeping us quite busy. Yeah, actually we're right in the middle of doing some Volte research. We did it a couple of years ago, but now we're repeating it because we want to try and understand what is the scale of this. From an overall global perspective, what is the take-up like? Well, I mean, it's quite high in North America and it's quite high in Asia. And I think that has a lot to do with the density of the networks and the density of the subscribers. and. Europe, Western Europe especially, it's a little bit slower and I think that part of the reason is the Western European operators don't always have the same price pressures around maintaining their networks, right? So if you take, for example, oh, okay. an operator like T-Mobile USA or Verizon Wireless, they have hundreds and hundreds of switches and hundreds and hundreds of SGSNs and hundreds and hundreds of GGSNs that they are paying maintenance on and they're paying for support contracts and they're managing these massive, massive networks, nice. right? So this is a huge cost problem for them. And the faster they can evolve to the next technology and lower the cost profile, the better. But in Western Europe, if you're in a small country, you may have 10 switches or five nice. switches or two switches. And so the, the economics are different for those operators. And so I think that's kind of how it will go is the operators that have the price pressure will do it. But I do think that with there being some innovative solutions that enable the operators in Western Europe who've launched LTE but not Volti to take inbound Volti roaming, then maybe that will help to kind of accelerate some of the benefit, right? Where the, yeah. the Western European operators will see the benefit of Volti roaming without actually having to make the IMS investment and do right. the switch themselves. Okay. Yeah, because we interviewed a couple of vendors, let's say, who have indicated it's slower than we thought the take-up. And I understand that probably in the US, there must be operators thinking, time to close 3G. That's an interesting dynamic, you know, because obviously we know in Africa, of course, there's many operators who are just getting into the 3G. And still, 4G hasn't really made the turning point internationally to say this is ubiquitous. Right. But, of course, we know also activity of 5G in America. We saw a press release this week, I think, of uh, one of the operators in the U.S. who is already planning to launch uh, 5G in 50 cities across. Right, right, yeah, absolutely. Um, it was in the Mobile World Daily newspaper today. There was an announcement from a Tier 1 operator. I think there's an interesting sort of confluence of events, right, where you have operators who want to shut down their 2G and 3G networks, and they say they're shutting down their 2G and 3G networks, but 
they have these M2M contracts with big enterprises where contract runs for another five years or 10 years, right? right? And some of those networks, when they say they're shutting them down, I think what they really mean is they're migrating their consumer retail subscriber base to the next technology, and then they'll slowly, as they can, sort of sunset pieces of the network. But I mean, I think from a roaming perspective, a lot of those networks will stay available for quite some time because yeah. the roaming is just not as much of a capacity problem for them as their home subscriber base is. And so I think that there's some fluidity in the language that they use about shutting down 2G and 3G that yeah. there's some underlying facts that make that less clear when that's actually going to happen. So let's talk for a moment about IoT and roaming because it's kind of a segue because you know, I consider that from a 2G, 3G perspective, some of those operators might want to keep those networks open just for that extra capacity for IoT-related right. devices. What do you think on that? I think that's going to drive a lot of them to keep it open anyway because they have these existing legacy devices out there. Without getting into too many specifics, there you know, are very recognizable things like OnStar that have been around forever, and there's been connected cars for a long time. Whether what we consider a connected car today that has a Wi-Fi hotspot in a front seat and a back seat you know, radio, a lot of the devices for a long time have had cellular connectivity, and those cars are expected to be on the road for a long time, and they're not going to come in and do a SIM swap. So that will drive a lot of them to keep them open. I don't know if there will be the capacity requirement, if that will be necessarily a driver, because I think that with NB-IoT, if the market moves that way to where you start to see more low power devices that are on the network that aren't consuming so much resources, right, that aren't consuming the same resources that their retail subscribers and roaming, retail roaming subscribers are trying to utilize, then I think that they'll have capacity to spare, right? And then with 5G coming out and being more of a sort of fixed wireless approach in a lot of cases, that's going to solve a lot of the IoT requirements because there's a large number of IoT devices that are stationary, nice. right? There's sensors, there are perimeter alarms on buildings, there's things that are not going anywhere. And so the operators can plan for that with their 5G strategies, kind of eliminate, I guess, the need to keep those older networks open or to use them for excess capacity. They'll likely just refarm the spectrum, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. And on IoT roaming, obviously there's still some challenges. I heard from one carrier, there's just no ubiquitous solution. You're never going to get roaming everywhere with a single provider. What do you think about that? I think it's true, and it's difficult because there are certain geographies where there may be competition in the consumer space for cellular service or mobile service, but when it comes to something like an IoT solution where you really have to have ubiquitous coverage, there may only be one provider, right? There are countries where the legacy PTT-owned company has built out the entire country and the competitors, they focus on the metropolitan areas and where they can get subscribers. They're not good alternatives for IoT. And so that then puts you in a situation where you have to get that operator to agree to some kind of permanent roaming. And then those likely, in some cases, come down to negotiating 500 MCs at a time when you need 50,000. It's quite difficult. There's technology solutions on the horizon, but they're on the horizon. They're not here yet. eSIM is not really widely available yet and yes. NBIOT that reduces the pain of the operator having permanent roaming on their network is not here yet and so there are solutions that are kind of needed right now and some of them are I think reachable right I think there are commercial models that can be 
easily agreed to bilaterally where operators agree to pay an access fee for something that's under one megabyte per month and then they just have to do a cost basis analysis on what is the radio resource worth to them right for the paging and such well i don't want to keep you too much longer and because we're into popsicles before we turn into <laughs> popsicles indeed yeah uh, just one more question um, what's the biggest thing that you're seeing out of mobile world congress I think the biggest thing is here is 5G and IoT, and that's where, like I said, I think that the mobile part of the World Congress is slipping away, and it's becoming more about technology and connectedness, and it's great to see because there's so much promise, and there's some really interesting demonstrations, both in terms of how to make buildings smarter and how to make cars smarter to how to make professionals smarter and how they accomplish their jobs and there's lots of great VR demonstrations of how things can be improved and simulated and it's really impressive. I mean that's what's probably the most interesting thing about Mobile World Congress is to see how many different areas of society are being fundamentally impacted now where before it used to just be about communications yeah. and connecting this between people and now it's connectedness between everything and that's just kind of a inspiring thing to see. Absolutely. Well, Henry, thank you so much for your wisdom Thanks, today. Jason. I'm quite sure we're going to speak again. Yeah, certainly. Uh, so have a great conference. Okay, thank you, Jason. You too. While we were there, we also attended some of the GSMA events. One such event was on eSIM. And while I understand that the Mobile World Conference is a public event, the main flow of the panel sessions didn't seem all that progressive to me. eSIM is growing in visibility and people are becoming more and more aware of its effects on consumer devices. But the reasons why MNOs are not championing it need to be talked about and understood before any company can make great leaps on their strategy to generate new revenues from it. You can't expect MNOs to jump in on new sales channels and portability processes within a short time. More on that, of course, in our eSIM report that we delivered in January this year. So you might be of the mind, as one social media commentator said, that we are in a Groundhog Day, that this year's Mobile World Congress was the same as last year. For this, I would say slowly, slowly, with small steps, the industry is moving ahead with 5G, with IoT, and new communication solutions. Great sustainable evolutions in our industry take time to produce, and these are not, after all, solutions. These are foundations for amazing products and services we are going to see in the future. We hope you enjoyed this month's podcast. Hear from us next month in Dubai. Until next time, this is Jason Bryan, and you've been listening to Newsdesk from Rocker Radio.